1: I would have to say when it comes to identity, have an adventurer mindset, explore things and remember that nobody actually cares what you do as long as you're not hurting other people. Obviously, killing is a no. Um, People don't really care. They don't really care about the lines on your CV or the jobs that you've held um, because ultimately people are really just interested in their own selves. So just do whatever. And once you've done it, accept that you've done it. And embrace it Um, and don't stop exploring and adventuring I think is my biggest thing I'm your
2: host Natalie Drenovac and welcome to the modern women a show that seeks to share the stories and experiences of women that may be out of our line of sight welcome back for another episode of anonymous which is a series I created because I believe there is power to giving a variety of women their own platform Just like you listening now, your voice matters, your opinion counts. It often seems like the only people who are ever given a platform to express an opinion or a point of view are those with some sort of status, whether it be through followers, media presence, or being a celebrity. It continues to make me wonder that perhaps the common voice we're hearing is getting skewed and whether or not these are the only voices and opinions that we should be hearing. The issues that face women face all women in a variety of ways, and that's what I love uncovering and continuing to explore through this series. The continuing purpose of the anonymity is to enable open discussions, because sometimes opinions don't always need a face. And for today's episode, we dive into identity. We cover what is identity, how we deal with our identities, changes within our identities, limitations in sexual identities, and persecution over our identity. If you love this episode or any other episodes of the podcast, make sure you're subscribed wherever you enjoy listening so you don't miss any new episodes when they go live. Let's kick off with your rapid fires. Describe the last dream you
1: remember. Mine's from this morning, I was trying to coordinate a party with many different types of characters, some I know, some are strangers, some are gangsters, some are older businessmen and women, um, and I was trying to keep things flowing at this party, um, I was trying to keep drugs out of sight of the parents and the business people, and then I kind of shifted from watching the scene like a movie to being one of the characters to being myself, and then I got a little hectic, so I woke myself up and got myself out of the dream, which I can do as a lucid dreamer. Oh, Wow. What was your dream?
3: Well, nothing compared to that. (laughs) Mine was a nightmare, actually. I woke up in a cold sweat. So last I remember, I think it was about a a couple of weeks ago, but I just remember losing my children in the dream. So it wasn't as detail-oriented, but it was definitely quite alarming. Was that a nightmare? (laughs)
2: Maybe
3: it was just like a break. I'm glad you think so much of my mother's (laughs) parenting
2: skills.
1: (laughs) I love you and I love your kids, so of course. Okay, Uh, the last thing you did which you thought you might regret Buying a pair of casual cargo-style pants online. Stop it. How far along ago was that? <laughs> Recently, which is why I think I might regret Ah, uh,
2: Until I see them. I, I past a the 90s moment. <laughs> okay. I'm, like, living
3: in the 80s right now, so. But I feel like it's more acceptable than the 90s at this point in time.
2: Anyway. What was the last thing that you bought you might regret? that I bought, that yeah. I might regret. Oh, um, oh, sorry, no, no, sorry. The last thing you did that you might regret.
3: Okay, the last thing I did that I'm, oh, you know, I met this couple and we just keep oversharing with them, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's
2: regretful. I <laughs> I'm just like kidding.
3: No, but we are over, I'm, I am an insane overshare. And because I'm a therapist, I, um, you know, have confidentiality, confidentiality as part of my career. So for myself, I'm like an open book, just too much.
2: Much. Oh, you're like, I will share everything.
3: Yes,
1: there's no discretion. This chat is going to be amazing.
2: (laughs) The last book you read? Liminal Dreaming.
3: The last book I read was a fiction called My Husband's Secret. It was an Aussie author, but I've forgotten the name. It's fine. A
1: topic you wish you knew more about? Oh my god, there's so many. What my brain looks like when I'm dreaming and asleep, the wonders of the human body, how to ride a motorcycle well, um, the origins of words and ideas. So many things. <laughs> I think tech. I don't know anything about
3: tech. I'm really tech daft.
2: It's such a booming industry also that it's very interesting what is happening in the tech world.
3: It's true. But even just simple things like how to use an app would oh, be Oh, right. You mean like basic <laughs> tech.
2: <laughs> yes. Look, perhaps after this interview, we can just do like a, like a one-on-one and I can yeah. just run you through some things.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm very impressed with
2: this machinery in front of you right now. I'm like, wow, <laughs> it, she's really it, impressive. It took a few times to get used to it. Um, describe yourself in a word. Disarming mm. unpredictable I would agree with both of those words for the two of you thanks <laughs> okay, so before I actually go into the uh, theme for today, I would love if you could just give a four one one about yeah, just yourself, your age and your career just so listeners have a bit of an understanding about what you do in that regard. People like to kind of I guess have a shape to the voice
1: uh, i'm 36 year old heterosexual woman um, of Asian appearance. <laughs> I am a communications consultant, qualified therapist, and certified meditation teacher. And just by that description, many people will probably know who I am. Um, if not, just put them all into Google. Uh, right. And, see, comes and up. see what comes up. What kind of therapist? Uh, general. <laughs> general counseling therapy. Oh, nice. Yeah. What else did you want? No, no, no. That's <laughs> My good. My brain is not
2: And for you, it's almost like, you know, when you used to be on MSN Messenger and you're like ASL. Yeah. And for yourself?
3: I am a 39-year-old Asian-American migrated to Australia, um, and I'm also a mental health uh, therapist, and I'm a kind of, I've delved into food and mood, so I'm I'm an entrepreneur and have a functional foods company as well here in Australia.
2: Love it.
3: Oh, and I do yoga psychotherapy, which is like super (gasps) random.
2: What is yoga psychotherapy?
3: So I've uh, qualified on how to do yoga for mood management because you store a lot of memories within your body. So a lot of times if you come into a tumultuous session or if you get stuck in a session, we'll go into yoga. So Mm. then you're able to either speak and access some of your memories or... A lot of times when I was in New York and practicing, I would be seeing people during their lunch break. So if they're having a tumultuous session, we'd reset the clock and therefore they can go back to work without feeling really on edge.
2: Oh my God, we definitely have to do that because I used to go to a chiro who did, it wasn't like a normal Cairo though, but I certainly walked out of those sessions and really understood how like your body is a book yeah. and how it stores those memories. And it's like, can you read the pages upon, you know, that which your life has been lived?
1: So I'm doing further study to specialize in somatic psychotherapy. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs>
2: All right. Well, uh, this has just been a great episode. You guys can just keep chatting and uh, I'm really glad I've set this up together. (laughs) Amazing. Okay. So today's theme is identity. What does that even mean really? And so in today's episode, we are going to try to unpack, unpack this complex, layered and often misused and misunderstood term. I want to delve into how we identify ourselves, how others identify with us or give us an identity based on how they view us. So I really want to discuss the fluid nature of our identity and how you have both dealt with the adversity around your own identities. It's so funny. There's always a blurb that I read out in an anonymous episode and a friend said to me, you know, it sounds like you're reading. And I was like, I am reading. (laughs) Otherwise, I would just blab. Okay, so our listeners can get to know you a little bit further. I know we've gone into a little bit about how you identify, but you both have touched on um, being Asian. And I wanted to know if that's a central part of your identity.
3: It's one that... I don't think I can erase. So you look at me and you see that I have darker skin. So I'm South Asian, so it's a little bit different to East. But um, it's palpable and people say funny things to you as a result because they see it and they make assumptions about who you are and what your accent should be and all these type of things. So I just think it's something that if I don't hit the nail on the head, I'm going to let you make up a lot of things about me. So I'd rather just tell you.
2: So what's an assumption that someone has made about you and then you've kind of gone, "Oh, actually, completely not true."
3: Oh, there's they're they're lovely sometimes. They're like, "Oh, you must be great at math." And I'm like, "I <laughs> you know? Are you like <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> Don't you know who I am?" Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So it's just stuff like that or or just really random kind of microaggressions, I'll be in the grocery store and it's like, do you know where the samosas are? Why the hell would I know where the samosas are? I don't work here, like, please. So um, just annoying stuff like that. And, you know, you don't realise how, like, those little, little communications stack up and and amount to, like, an insane frustration over time.
1: So I think similarly people see me um, and they hear me and say, oh, you don't have an accent. And I'm like, oh, neither do you. (laughs) Um, and then they ask where I'm from and I'm like oh I'm currently living in Redfern and then they ask no no what are your parents I'm like my biological parents or my adoptive parents and then they get really awkward Um, so I have a lot of fun with it but I think I look Asian and they get it but I don't sound any kind of Asian in their words Um, and people will say things like oh you don't seem very Asian I'm like, what does that even mean? Yeah. So do you think it is annoying?
2: Because I also think that Asian gets bundled.
1: Right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm from
2: Asia. (laughs) Right? Like, it's like Asia, where, I mean, obviously, (laughs) to say where is that, that makes sense. But in terms of, like, the actual different identities and how people Mm. always mix up Chinese, Korean, Japanese, and it's
1: like, that is quite offensive for those who aren't. It is. I always play a guessing game or they play a guessing game with me and they're like, so let me guess where you're from. Oh, and I'm God. like, oh, here we go. <laughs> and I just, you know, I, I used to it used to annoy me and I used to kind of get a little bit angry um, probably in my early 20s because I'd just think, you idiot. Yeah. Yeah. But now I'm like, I, I'm compassionate about it. I'm like they just don't know. They're ignorant, so I'm going to teach them a lesson. Yeah. yeah, it's quite a simplistic point of view. Mm. Well, so
3: for me, because I'm here now, when I get asked, where are you from? I say America, and then there's just confusion. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. But that's not what I was looking or expecting you to say. Um, and then, you know, I'll go with it. Because uh, my thing is, if you're not going to ask the correct question, there's words, right? You can say, what's your what's your heritage mm-hmm. versus what's your nationality or where are you from? Because I was born and raised in America. So if you're going to ask me that question, and I'm going to give you the answer that you asked mm-hmm. for So I don't know, I just think that if you really want to ask people these questions, get the semantics right? <laughs>
2: right. But what about that example that you shared with me about how when people say, you say I'm from America and then the actual thing that they underlyingly ask you in, whilst you've been in yeah. Australia.
3: Yeah, so I, because I'm Indian, so I'll be like, oh, I'm Indian, but I'm American. They're like, oh, do you mean the feather kind or oh the God. dot kind? Oh. How
2: bad is The something feather old? or the dot. Wow. Yeah. Stop it. They actually say the feather or the dot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just shocking sometimes what comes out of people's mouths that you wonder where yeah you know so okay because you've now both touched on it also I think it's really (laughs) interesting is country of birth our backgrounds or is uh, your identity based on where your heritage is from
3: both both definitely both because so it's funny because I was born and raised in America I felt like my experience as an American was was unique I mean it is a melting pot slightly or it's becoming that way But, you know, if you talked to me about growing up in Texas, I would say that my upbringing was very different from the traditional Texan because I grew up in, like, this little Indian bubble. My parents felt comfortable in their community. I grew up, you know, we didn't have very many cousins that migrated over. We had none, actually. So our family became the family friends in the circle that my parents hung out with. And I would always think that I was, like, really unique and different as an American. But when I came to Australia... I realized, holy shit, I'm like a total stereotypical American. Oh, and really? it wasn't until <laughs> I left
2: that I realized that. Yeah. I wouldn't say you're a stereotypical American. I would say you're like an East, West Coast kind of American.
3: Sure, sure. I am I'm. I guess I'm educated. Is that like a horrible thing to say no. about middle America? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Every I'm, kidding. America is like, am- I'm kidding.
3: Oh my gosh, I'm American. Identity. I'm so sorry if I offended people right now. <laughs> I I you, can, you are American. They don't
2: know who you are. It's fine. Offend yeah. away. Yeah, you, can, you can say whatever you would like. Um, um, all right, so then something I also would love to understand, do you think that our identity is what we deem
1: about ourselves or what others place upon us? Both. Yeah. Both agree. Yeah. I think identity is something that changes constantly um, and it is what you craft, create, how you feel, but then that might be interpreted in a completely different way by others. So who you are could be different in like your own perspective Versus who others perceive you to be, mm-hmm. sure. But which is the correct identity? There is no correct.
3: Yeah. I think. I think your the way that you describe yourself is your interpretation of your experiences, or the experiences that matter to you, and that you choose to define yourself with. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that other people are going to understand that unless they have the conversation with you, because it's super. It's super personal.
1: And I think I choose to show different parts of myself to different people based on shared values yeah. or values that are not shared um, for the sake of the friendship or the relationship
3: yeah. I think your dream is actually a really great metaphor for it because you, you're like managing all these different personalities and you're like alright the drugs have to be like hidden <laughs>
2: yeah, from this did. subset of people uh, Was a very <laughs> she didn't say hidden, not right? taking she just said hidden yeah, I really yes. I was going to touch on that but I'm glad you picked <laughs> yeah. up on it I put them all too.
1: in a bundle and put a like a notebook over the top of them as a parent of someone the one no kids in the dream um, walked through the hall right yeah You're like I'm an educated drug taker <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, okay, I'm imagining you're both going to say that you we have multiple identities as opposed to being fixed within one um and how do you find or do you ever find that you have to navigate between them
3: Absolutely, constantly yeah <laughs> is there
2: is there anything that kind of is pressing when that happens, or is it very fluid?
3: Well, so I think in this particular question. I'm confusing the words identity and roles because we have like 10, over 10,000 roles that we have within our life cycle, right? So I'm a mother, but I'm a daughter. I'm a wife, la, 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 right? The list goes on. So wearing that mother hat, but then me being a very outgoing, really fun, like vivacious person are at polar opposites of each other.
2: But, that, but would that be because that's your um, interpretation of what a mother should be?
3: No, I do think that you can be fun and be a mum. But I... I <laughs> you looked to the left Then, What does that mean? But I do think that there is like a certain, I don't know, like parameters around it. Like there's a schedule involved and there's there's needs. There's another human's needs
2: that take priority over yours. So. Okay. On this example, though, do you think fathers have such conflict when they dive between?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's always like a give and take. I think that between my husband and I, we're always negotiating our schedules with each other, right?
2: Yeah. I would just say, like, I find more often than not that the the fathers within my life, like for, with children, they kind of still just have their life and then they're a dad when they come home. Whereas I find that mothers really take on that identity and there is a shift and a change.
3: Yeah. I don't know. I think that my husband and I are a little bit of outliers within this like this particular conversation just because um, we do have traditional gender roles where, you know, we we migrated here for him. So it's for his career. My career took a backseat. And that's always like a a shift of dynamic between the two of us. You know, like there's there's a real ego there for me with who I want to be perceived as or what I want to accomplish within my life. Um so for now we are taking these gender stereotypical roles, but I made a conscious choice to do that because I saw that when I wasn't, when we first moved here, we had like a full time nanny. They weren't being shaped into the little humans that I was hoping that they would be. So when I decided to take a more active role, I saw a palpable difference. And financially speaking, that was just the decision we had to make because he couldn't take that back seat.
1: And for yourself? Uh I'm not a mum and I don't know if I ever will be or slash want to be, um, but I love the mums that I know and that role. Um, I think that going back to your question, it depends what's required of me in the situation um, that determines what parts of myself come out. But I think they're all there all the time and my shift is fairly fluid, I would suggest, between like the different um, types of person that I am, the different identities, I guess, in inverted commas, Um. because I'm curious to know
2: like when you discover something because you know we're changing we're growing you both are are women that I would include within that that you are growth minded and that once you learn something about yourself how much do you then also have to become vocal about that new part of your identity
3: going back to the same example after I had my second son I absolutely was like holy shit I can't just be a part-time worker with like this pseudo career it drove me to want to create something that's when i started the, like my functional foods company and I wanted to create this legacy for my children to look at to be able to say, My mom did that all by herself, so it was
2: just for your kids or there was a part of you also wanting to pursue that there too? was there
3: was a f- bunch of factors there was me excited and passionate about the research. There was also me just wanting to to have some stimulation outside of my children and outside of being at home and I was in a new country in a new environment I didn't know anyone, and it was a great way to like really put myself in like a situation that I didn't quite understand and try to navigate it um, question
2: <laughs> can like can you can we discover things about ourselves but not have that be a vocal
1: part about our identity yes absolutely I have a few that I'm not vocal about but they're still there I think everybody's entitled to their secrets um and I like that yeah, yeah. I like that about myself and about other people and I respect that yeah
3: I definitely also think that there is a little bit of a cultural influence within that question. So, I think Australians and English, from my perspective as an American, are a little bit more private, and um, you know keep
2: Australians are private.
3: Uh, I, less so than the English, but Americans, stereotypically speaking, again, so sorry for all the stereotypes, but <laughs> we just are loud and proud about all of
1: our shit. Like really, yeah. though, like it all on of
3: it, the table
1: challenger do you not have any like (laughs) exciting dark scintillating secrets that you're like oh I'd never want that coming out as part of who I am of course
3: I think everybody has those aspects of themselves but but again where you're talking to someone who just told you that they are pretty much not great at
2: discretion on a whole (laughs) so because I I think that I have a lot of labels placed upon me but I don't know if I identify with them or I don't know what that means to have them be a part of my identity
1: and I think with labels, like you, you, it's an offer, right? And you go, okay, do I want to take this on or do I not want to take this on? And I think it's okay to reject the labels. Like yeah. Labels aren't that helpful. What do you
2: think is then the difference between a label and an identity? Because they kind of sometimes can look like they're the same thing and
1: become a you know, mush.
3: I think an identity is what you label yourself as and a label is what other people offer you.
1: Yeah, identity is more... Um, with the self at the center Mm -hmm. and a label is something that's been constructed by others. Mm -hmm. But I get what you're saying. I was like, I'm going to take that Ah, on board, hey. I get what you're saying. Learning, (laughs) one, one, one.
2: Okay, so um, I'd love to shift to also how we deal with our identities. So are there, well, let's start with the good stuff. What are you proud about yourself when it comes to your identity? Or is there something that stands out for you?
1: My voracious appetite for learning new things. Mm -hmm and being or growing my capacity for compassion and being non-judgmental that comes with that, I think. Mm. I struggle with the judgmental part. I'm
3: super judgmental about myself, not others. But um, I definitely... have a growth mindset, like you said, I I identify that about myself and I'm constantly loving to learn and to push myself. But at the moment, so like you said, it's fluid. Um, At the moment, what's really important to me is really focusing on my career. And I don't know why education is such a big thing for me. Um, You know, that that's another shift I see between like um, the two cultures that I come from. I don't feel like people really talk about education here or their education or la 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 but I think it's
2: just cuz they're not sitting in college debt so <laughs> no one yeah, yes, perhaps yeah, that's like, it's like a it's reference point, point. Yeah. <laughs>
3: we Americans are like drowning in it that's right so I perhaps that's what it is actually I don't know
2: okay what do you hide behind for safety For example, uh, I'm married to a woman, but I certainly know that I can walk down the street and appear straight. And in situations in Sydney, sure, that's not a problem, but I know in other cultures or places, uh, being gay isn't a great thing. Um, By being a great thing, I mean it can be beaten and killed. Um, So, you know, I know that is something that I have that I can hide behind for safety. Is there anything like that within your life that is a part of your identity, but there are times that you just keep it to yourself?
3: Yeah.
1: Is so much depth to that question? Mm. Take as long as you'd like. It's my ability to be able to relate to pretty much anyone and find some common ground.
2: Yeah. As in that's what you hide behind for safety? Mm. In terms of like, so if you're having conflicts with someone, you will just kind of, instead of perhaps being outwardly focused on your opinion, you just kind of… Uh,
1: for that yeah. shared… Got it. Something. Yeah. Yeah, and be like, okay, we can get, we can work through this together.
2: Yeah, right. What is that? is that just from not wanting the conflict, or?
1: No, I think um, probably trying to f- create a space that's a little more comfortable slash safe for whoever's involved in this particular engagement. Yeah. Um, to be able to move forward. Anything for you,
3: I think for me, it's actually. My husband is a visual cue for me to break the stereotypes that otherwise would be pushed upon
2: me. What do you mean?
3: Like I'm married to a white six foot two male Aussie man. And I'm, by the way, 150 centimeters. I'm clinically (laughs) short. Um, There is a lot, like visually when you look at us,
1: we are not meant to be together.
3: And there is a lot, I think, that you're kind of like, oh, okay.
1: How did that happen? tiny Asian female marries tall white man. (laughs) Yes.
3: Yes, but from actually, I'm speaking less about um, the Anglo stereotypes that would be put upon me and actually more about the South Asian stereotypes that would be placed upon me. So my own community is a very judgmental community. And, Did um, they
2: make any commentary when you got together?
3: Oh gosh, I had to fight to be with him. We were not meant to be together. This was not meant to happen.
2: Is there anything within that that you're happy to share or?
3: Yeah, I mean, so it's it's actually pretty funny. Uh, my family was very vocal about their disapproval. They, not because they didn't love my husband, but because um, they just were really worried that I was gonna not connect with my culture as much. You know, they, they left India at a certain time and they tried to preserve what they knew. And they were really scared that I wouldn't identify with that anymore or I wouldn't keep the tradition alive for my children.
2: See, it's like my dad came from Croatia, my mother came from Mauritius. I have no idea, no cultural aspect to it. Like, sure, I go see my grandmother and there's like a food thing. But in general, I I don't know what it means to be either of those, like truly and I have a friend who is Croatian and it's funny because being around her makes me now so happy to tell people I'm Croatian. And like, you know, when I do my intros to this, she's like, your name is not Natalie Dranavac, it's Natalie Drenovac. And I was like, I cannot roll that off my tongue in an introduction. <laughs> but, you know, like, and so having those identities and, and having that be a part of who I am, I still don't know what they mean. Whereas like you're referencing coming from an Indian background and having that be a part of your culture and that it must be so important. But like, I feel like no one in my family place that upon me in any way so that's all I grew up with it was really central to who I am
3: it's a colorful fun upbringing like I, I have a fierce love of dancing handed down to me by my mother because every weekend we would have a big Indian party and everybody's dancing so it's a really like vivacious fun culture and we're it's actually a very also religious culture so there are some traditions that I I Don't know if I necessarily want to teach my children about religion per se, but I want them to have those like beautiful cultural exchanges because there's a lot of metaphors
2: and really beautiful tradition in it. Um, something I'd love to ask you. So, uh, as you mentioned, you are adopted, um, and when it does come to culture, so you are Korean.
1: I'm Korean by birth, yes. but I have, the only time I've ever been to Korea was when I was born there. Mm-hmm. And then I was adopted at four months old and flown out to Australia. It's the easiest birth as my mother calls it, that they've had. Um, I also have a Uh, I won't go into my siblings. That's a dead giveaway. (laughs) Um, However, I. But you always encouraged me to pursue and to follow up and to explore my Korean roots. Uh, And I know that's been available to me, but it's never really been of interest because I don't feel Korean. I don't know what it means to feel Korean. Yeah. I should also say that my mum is. It's like convict Australian. I can say that because it's literally true. Her uh, (laughs) ancestors were convicts. Um, And dad is Chinese, um, but he's been here since he was a kid. Um, So our household is mostly white Australian, but with a lot of Chinese influence, I guess. Mm -hmm. But it's not like hardcore Chinese. Nobody in my family has an accent. Um, So it's interesting. I feel like I've always been interested in different cultures and, and backgrounds, and um, you know, I grew up in an area that is quite Greek, um, and I worked at a Greek restaurant for a long time. Was given the identity title of being an honorary Greek. Take it. <laughs> so, as long yeah, as you've uh... <laughs> love. Is that the only Greek word you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, So, yeah, it's been in terms of heritage and that cultural history, there are definitely some Chinese, maybe a little bit Buddhist things that as a family we've done, but I've never felt like it's part of my identity. I feel that that also feeds into feeling quite fluid with my identity and being able to, I guess, fit in for want of a better word, lack of a better word, um, with people from different backgrounds and different heritages and also because they can't really place me yeah, mm. because I am who I am and I don't have those deep connections yeah. with a particular cultural yeah. history or type of person or anything like that.
2: But that's like, so when I was in university, I would say my favorite class I ever did was called Politics of Identity. And I remember this one class, um, the teacher said, hey, you know, draw a circle and then do like a pie, you know, split it down the middle and then put your eight parts of who you think are your identity. And I remember really struggling with that exercise. Um, And then, you know, growing up in Australia, there was a guy in my class and, you know, he wrote Australian, whereas I would have written, you know, Croatian, Mauritian, I guess. And I was born here. And then someone said to him, well, what is it to be an Australian? He's like, oh, you know, like having barbecues and wearing halves. And I was like. you joking like if that's (laughs) the thing that you're proud about i'm like why would i have written that down and so i find the idea about identities and what is placed upon us and also your own interpretation so then when you are in a bigger group like if you were to go back to india and be around those who live in mumbai it would be such a different experience no but they all all the by the way i walk they know i'm a foreigner by the way, that, by the way you walk.
3: Yeah, I don't even have to say a word; they know that I'm a foreigner. So I don't fit in wherever I go. Like I'm not yeah. in America; I'm not considered American because I'm visually not. In India, I'm not native
2: to India. Yeah. So, like,
3: it's so is just that a problem?
1: I love not fitting in. Yeah. Not fitting in is like
2: what I love to, yeah. to do. <laughs> but is that also because we're in an environment that is somewhat safe?
3: Yes, actually I had a really great conversation with an Uber driver in Germany about this <laughs> very thing, actually. So we were in um we were in Berlin and I was just being taken around and he was like, you know, the standards, same question. Where are you from? <laughs> I'm American. No, you're not. Where are you really from? I'm like, No, no, I really am American. But then he was his perspective and what i really appreciated about the conversation was this man was a turkish driver and um he was born and raised in germany and he was he just couldn't get over it he was like that's not fair that you get to call yourself american because you were born and raised there i was born and raised here and the germans won't let me call myself german but when i go back to turkey i'm not turkish either so i'm you know he didn't have a land where he could call his own whereas we coming from the western world not that germany is not a western world but you know like um yeah ultra privilege sure uh we have the luxury of being able to i can call australia my home and i can call america my home yeah so i'm pretty lucky that way
1: i feel like i don't have any kind of strong feelings about that like where are you from when i say i was born in korea but i've grown up here that's it's very shallow for me and i think maybe being adopted is why like i've never felt that strong connection to any country even though i've grown up here and i'm australian but is the adoption
2: a really big pillar in your identity
1: yes because also Um, something that that
2: i really like is that you're actually really open about it whereas i know some people who do not talk about it they just kind of like they know they're adopted and and they never retell that story
1: i am clearly super comfortable about it Uh, but i think i've gotten comfortable because people are curious Mm. and i want to help them understand what it has been what it is like for me to be adopted Mm -hmm. um i'm you know have these I have incredible parents and I've always known. So there wasn't a day that I remember they sat me down and said, we have something to tell you. Mm. Um, but I've taken it on as a, as a kid. I remember being in a shopping centre with mum and and shop people, shop people would say, <laughs> retail, I don't know what they're called, um, would say to her, is that your student? And she'd get quite upset and say, no, it's my daughter. And I remember that happening and from that moment Wherever, whenever we're in public, I'd very loudly say, "Mom," mm. just to let everybody know that that is my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so, whatever questions you have or whatever you're thinking, keep it to yourself. Yeah. This is the situation, um, and I think that says mm, a little bit about my personality, but probably more about my temperament. Is that a
2: lot for um, like a young child to deal with?
1: Yes, it does. It is a lot, but also, I took it on to lessen the heartache for my mum, mm. mm. which is a, a big thing for a child, I think, to recognise and then take on. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like you it's, would have had to, it's like something
2: intuitive where you're like, I must <laughs> yes. take yes. up on that and, and change.
1: But it's interesting because you
3: also mentioned earlier that um, you kind of mention it when people ask you about your identity, so you use it as almost like a provocative tidbit yes but it started from such a young age and it was like a defensive thing from a young age
1: yeah a little bit and i think because people are curious and normally the conversation with strangers is where are you from go through that la 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 redfern whatever where are you born (laughs) my you know i was born in korea oh so are your parents korean i'm like my biological parents are korean and it's this long boring conversation of um assumptions Mm -hmm. on their part and so I, and it, sometimes it starts with, oh, you have no accent. So whatever it starts mm. with, I'm like, oh, here we go. Ooh, yeah. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm adopted. I'm Korean. Yeah. I'm very happy. I don't have any issues. Ask me questions. I'm yeah. happy to help ed- help you educate yourself um, on one person's experience of being adopted.
2: You know, on that accent, um, so a woman came over the other day because – uh, my wife was f- selling a piece of furniture, and I heard um, an English accent to her voice. And what I realized happened was we're standing around, and I said, "Oh, where are you from?" And I was, <laughs> I know, and like this what is lining thing? this episode up. And um, and she was, she got really, I could see her get quite like not offended, but shaken, and she got really defensive around it. And I was like, and she's like, "I, I don't have an accent." And I was like, "Oh no, this is one of those moments where she's an Asian woman, and she's thinking I'm attacking her for." And I was uh, like, "No, no, no." I thought that you were from England because you have an English accent to your voice, like, you know. And then she's like, "Oh yeah, I went to an English school." And like, and I just saw her just visibly relax. And I thought, oh no, like that was such a question. But like, now where are you from? Like, obviously you're not from around here, kind of uh, thing. Yeah, but then she was like, "Hey, I live in Mossman. There's no one really around that looks like (laughs) me." And I was like, "I get it. I totally get it." But
3: then that's also like, I guess the the burden sometimes becomes comes on us as minorities because of like the small microaggressions that we face all the time, we're always defensive. Like but you you're just assume- you only a minority
2: if no one around you looks the same. Yeah. Do you know? Like if, yeah. if sure, people will know that if you go back to India, you are, a, a, you know, not a local. Yeah. But you would assimilate a lot faster and all of a sudden you wouldn't be that sexy new object. Hmm. Whereas like that's the whole thing and that's kind of like the, the example about how when, you know, they always, especially now with everything that's going on with Black Lives Matter- racism is a it's taught it's not something that you inherently have yeah. and so it's like three little boys are in a are in a you know class one's asian one's black and one's a white kid with red hair do they know they're different until we tell them they're different oh look because i
3: have little boys they they do know they're different they just don't actually care about it yet but why are they different because visually they are so, so yeah, my no, son no. gets told like oh you've got darker skin and it's not like a it's not. There's no judgment in that statement.
2: It's just a no factual missing. statement. Yeah. yeah, it's an observation. Absolutely. Because he's in Australia. Mm.
3: Yes. But also with the, like, so there are, he hangs out with a fairly diverse little crew, and within that crew there are some East Asians, and, like, mm. the other little, like, sweet white boys have no idea how to place him. so they're like, oh, you look Japanese, when it's, like, really actually like a yeah. Korean little kid, you know? But, like,
2: speaking about Asian and Indian, so, you know... I was made to do my genetic test and I have quite a large part of my genetics that I'm from India. Really? They see? Oh, Mauritius. Yeah, yeah well, sorry, there's like a mixed bag from my yeah. mom's side. But that's the thing, right? I've got a, I've got 10% from like Africa um Asia, you India. Like we accept you. No, but, but, <laughs> but the oh thing is, right? I'll never be persecuted for it. I'll never have any problems. No one will ever ask me about it. Everyone's it just, just
3: adds to your exotic
2: look. Yeah, there we
1: go. So I can be like, oh, I'm exotic, <laughs> as opposed Whereas to like, I'm like, I have no accent on my Tinder profile. <laughs> like, I put I have no accent. Just for those guys looking for someone with an accent, it's not me.
2: Oh wow! As in, you get the like the ye- the oh, yellow fever gosh. kind of uh, personality female,
1: types. Do you have yeah. an accent straight up. I'm like do you have an accent? (laughs) Really? Wow. Wow. And I've been dating for almost a year now after coming out of a very long-term relationship. And it's been interesting in terms of thinking about identity and how other people bring their assumptions Mm. to the table.
2: Mm. Um, Are there any parts of your identity that really don't feel like you and you kind of just wish you could scrap? Like do you hate that people assume things because you look Indian? Do you hate that people assume things because you look Asian?
3: Oh, I think people assume I'm super conservative, but I don't know if it's because I'm Asian or because I just look really innocent. I just hate it. (laughs) If only they knew.
1: (laughs) So I shaved part of my head to get around that, you know, wanting to look like I feel.
2: Mm. Um, No. Oh, okay, let's touch on that. Wanting to look how I feel and that being a part of what people will assume about who you are.
1: So people would assume, I think, a similar thing, like she must be super conservative. Mm. Mm. I'm going to say boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think they would look at me and, and maybe assume that I am an accountant. Because <laughs> we're all I'm like, that. jokes on you. I'm terrible yeah. with numbers. Um, or if anyone knows a good accountant, yeah. <laughs> perfect <laughs> it's time not of year. Me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, yeah, just make a lot of assumptions based on how I look as, uh, as an Asian young woman yeah. who, you know, that people don't even know how old I am. And people will ask me straight out, "How old are you?" And I'm like, "That is super rude." So I play with it. I'm like, "I could be 20. I could be 80. You'll never know. Yeah, you'll never know <laughs> until you hit 60." <laughs> 80. No, come but on. you know, yeah, but you know, know, the joke about how it's like Asian yes, women but it's and 80. Come it, yeah, on, <laughs> they
2: can just look 20 until they hit 80. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I, yeah, I wanted to do something that gave people a little visual cue um, about, I guess trying to break down some of the assumptions they may have had. Yeah. So decided to shave part of my head. Um, Also be fun and I've always wanted to be that person with a cool haircut. Mm. But also I think it just gives people that visual cue that I'm not – possibly not the person that you thought that I think that I am. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and the last year I've like played around with that too. I was trying to go lilac purple pink on my hair – bleached the hell out of it and killed it um, just because people wouldn't assume. And then, you know, you did get the But then they would make point.
2: a different assumption about you.
3: Perhaps, probably. But I, I think I would be like I'd rather that assumption than the alternative. You know what is funny, though, um, that I wanted to share earlier has nothing to do with what we're talking about now. But um, <laughs> Love it. <laughs> the actual times that I think I've been most offended, so we were my part of my husband's family lives in Taiwan um, we do some manufacturing out there. So we we used to go often. And um, I have a lot of nieces and nephews from his side. So they're all like these little blonde hair, blue-eyed children. And we would be going to these restaurants or to the to the sw- indoor swimming pools together. And every time in Asia, they're like, she's coming too? Pointing to me. She's coming too? Like they would always assume I'm the nanny.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I get this with my nephew who's blonde, blue eyes. Mm. Oh, you're the nanny. That I'm the nanny. So I, I got a t-shirt that says, best auntie ever. Yes. That see? I
3: wear proudly. Like, and that's when you do want to become the loudest and most provocative about it. Come here, baby. You're my sweet little girl. <laughs> like you know, like you really oh, overplay but you it. you just up. yell, "I stole a baby!" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny because I just I think that we have a politically correctness about it, living in our Western worlds, and we're not as rude, but it exists everywhere. And then to your point about the Black Lives Matter especially being American right now, it's such a hot button issue. I was never, you know, I've always seen in South Africa, for example, the hierarchy of race. And I never felt that privilege until very recently. And then I realized like me as a South Asian in America, I'm, I'm ranked and that's horrible. And I never realized how I'm contributing to the persecution. Even
2: even with the Black Lives Matter movement, new identities and labels have been created with the, like, they're such a Karen. (laughs) Yeah, sorry I feel sorry Karen. for Karen. Well, no, 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 no. Yeah, I feel sorry now. for women who are called Karen as their actual name. I do mm. not feel sorry for those who are now labeled Karens <laughs> because the racism is rife. Mm. Um, and if anyone needs an Instagram to verify what I'm saying, it's at Karen's Going Wild. You'll see some crazy <laughs> shit, and you'll be really blown away. So I, I always
3: thought that Karens were about those people who complain too much or they send their food back at the restaurants. I didn't realize it Oh, <laughs> I like. But have you noticed, like,
2: these are, like, super
1: white names yeah. as well?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, no, and then the whole thing, Um, I saw, like, a meme the other day, and it was, like, um, black women have had to deal with being called, you know, Shaniqua, and I wish mm. I could think of more examples. Asian women have had the same stereotype, and it's, like, white women are getting crazy because they're being called Karen for a month. And that's the whole thing about with privilege, right? It's the yeah. idea of, like, I have to feel this persecution very gently. You've had to feel it your whole life, but here I am complaining. Mm. Yeah. I'm totally going to get left pivot here, guys, because it would not be a TMW anonymous episode if we didn't touch on the most interp- important topic of uh, sex and sexuality, yeah. which, to be fair to me, is a huge part of the notion of identity, as well as how it sometimes limits our ability to be expressive. You're so excited about
1: this. I know. <laughs> I just, <it's> like, <laughs> let me just say,
2: <laughs> I feel like we
3: wouldn't be able to have a chat with you unless we broached this topic.
2: Hey, you know what? I did have a friend that said I always talk about sex, so I stopped talking about sex and then I would come over for like three times and then he's like so when are you going to start talking about sex (laughs) and I was like no 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 I'm on best behaviour now censored yeah Um, so let's talk sexual identity and I mean beyond the notion of sexuality which is just one piece of this complicated puzzle Um, you know I'm here being sexually woke or at least I think so and then these gen whatevers are talking about being sexually free pansexual and Mm. I'm kind of thrown sometimes Um, because what I knew to be about one's sexual identity was straight gay bi dominant submissive BDSM now they feel somewhat like black and white there's no gray area Um, and they're kind of being thrown out the window yeah Um, and so I also see people my age and older wonder how their sexual expression would have been different if they were born today and so a friend of mine once said to me that labels are for cans and that stayed with me. And I think when it comes to sexuality, there is a very large spectrum, mm. but labels and identities limit people wanting to be expressive themselves. I 100% agree with that. Me too.
3: I feel like there's a huge continuum and we ebb and flow on it all the time. And it really just depends on how you wake up that morning. So, I mean, you're not going to know till you try, right? <laughs> so has your
2: sexual identity changed over the years?
3: Well, for me personally, it's very, very tied to our previous conversation because growing up in a Indian environment of a very, very conservative household, I wasn't even like, I didn't even think to explore sexuality because we were just taught and told and ingrained that like, if you have premarital sex, you will not get married and you are going to have an arranged marriage. And by the way, my sister had a pseudo arranged marriage just to illustrate how conservative my family was. So, um, you know, definitely there's a whole like the sexuality awakeness happened in a later time in, of life for anyone who grew up in like the situation. I think that I would have been similar to mine.
1: I don't come from a super conservative family, but we're fairly conservative. We're education based, like we value education. Every, my, my father is a doctor. Um, however... My parents also grew up in the 70s, 60s and 70s. I think that has played a very big part in them allowing me to have boys stay over when I was in my early 20s. I was in my early 20s, so I was an adult. But also, you know... But has your identity changed? My identity hasn't changed. I think just where I have sex has changed. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. So, For
2: example, for yourself, you would say that you used to be a lot more conservative and perhaps now you're wanting to be more experimental or? I
3: think I was never conservative. I was just stuck in a conservative mind frame
2: because I was limited by what I had been told and taught to believe. What was that struggle within yourself in terms of like, you're going, I want this, but I shouldn't have it. Like, what does that feel? Is that shame? Yes.
3: Always characterised to shame. Actually, I really gravitated um, in my life towards hanging out with very conservative Muslim people growing up um, and they the struggle was palpable. Everyone dated but it was always a secret. Everyone was having sex but it was always a secret. From their
2: parents or from everybody? Everybody,
3: the community even. There's a lot of judgment mm-hmm. and, um, you know, if, if word got out that you were se- sexually explorating exploring, exploring, blah, down blah, down yeah, <laughs> yeah <we know laughs> <what> you <mean. laughs> Um, then, you know, your reputation's ruined and you're not marriage material anymore. <sighs> wow.
2: Yeah, no, I've just never been a part of a community like that. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there have been many times in my life where I'm like, oh, I'm doing it because I want to. When it's like, oh, what's your justification? Like, no, that is my fucking justification. Nothing to. further than I want to. And and that inherently, upon realization, is that's privilege. Like, yeah. that's the ability to go out and do that and be in an environment where I can.
3: I don't know if necessarily it, it can be perceived as privilege but it's also just culture like we grew up to be like you don't live for yourself you live for your family and for your community
2: no did not grow up like that maybe my parents maybe that's I should probably have a chat with my parents
3: and see how they (laughs)
0: felt about my youth (laughs) um
2: did you ever have that
0: uh
1: I don't think so I mean it's not like I was sliding around at home not to use that word in any kind of loaded sense but the teenage sense of being a 17 year old girl Um, promiscuity fair yeah fair cool um so I didn't like paraded in front of them Mm. um but I also didn't feel like I was limited
3: Mm. I definitely felt limited but you know that's all right
2: I'm happy with where I'm at now so what is it or what changed in your life that got you to a point where all of a sudden you're like oh hey now I can (laughs) um so
3: definitely meeting my partner he's very open-minded and and i you know i didn't end up marrying within that conservative culture so i have a very accepting very
2: beautiful relationship six foot white boy pulled through yeah <laughs>
3: okay
1: in so, more ways than one yeah um, <laughs> does
2: having a husband liberate or restrain you
1: it's that's a loaded question <laughs> i'm so glad this is for you no, um, right, i've got one coming you. Uh, <laughs>
3: I love being with my partner and therefore would never change it in the for the world. But we both are very vocal about the fact that we met way too young. We were we were children. He was twenty one, I was twenty three when that we is met. Quite young. You know, we didn't we explored and grew together and um and we're very open minded but you know definitely we've both been like, shit,
1: we could have tried the rainbow before we ended up together. <laughs> but you can still do that together,
2: right? So, just sending this question people over your way. People definitely going to know who I am. <laughs> no, I think only people who know you would know. Um, if you've had a partner at the time of navigating uh, sexual identities, how has that uh, landed?
1: Um, so in a former relationship, um, that partner and I said, if there's anything you want to try, let's do it together.
2: And that was fine. Like you I found was that, totally fine. that you I were fine, so or he, he was
1: fine. Um, both.
2: Did anything surprise you? No.
1: <laughs> I'm I've got to ad- shock.
2: Yeah, but that's it. I do have to admit that is something I absolutely love. Um, about ever since I've become friends with you. Like you will (laughs) dive in, I mean, more ways than one, into most situations that I think. But I think that's liberating and I like that. And, you know, what I'm coming up, well, not coming up against, but what I'm certainly seeing within a lot of um, older women that I'm becoming friends with is that like they're at this tipping point where they're like, wow, if I had have grown up, during this generation, I bet I would have gone and had sex with, you know, other women or done other things, not to pigeonhole that, you know, I'm gay (laughs) and now everyone's like, what's up? (laughs) But I mean like, but they're like, but they're so constrained within what society or who they've shaped themselves to be. And that's what I think is really interesting. And so it's kind of like, if we remove those labels, would it be easier for us all to be enjoying the variety of life?
3: I just think the next generation is far more woke than we are, and they don't subscribe to as many labels in general. So not just about sexuality, but even about culture yeah. and like the way that they see people. It's it's just getting progressively. As technology is growing and our world is connecting in ways, we're able to share and take the really beautiful parts of everyone and, and like I guess, elevate those pluses. I don't know what I'm trying to say. You know what I'm trying to say. Like those great... Oh my God, I'm losing language right now. That's
2: okay. <laughs> so let's go back to sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but,
1: I mean, I could always
2: dive down the rabbit hole of sex talking so, too much,
1: but what you just said about if you were born today, is that what you said? If you were born today, no, well, not me, not but today, someone, today, but... someone has
2: said to me, if I was born today, I'm sure it would be very different.
1: Um, okay. So can, could we reframe that as a rebirth? Because I feel like I'm, I'm on the apps, which I never thought I would do. Yeah. And I'm having so much fun, yeah. let me just say. But I'm more I
2: think I think the context of that statement came from a place of, um, you know, they've grown up in a, I am straight and heterosexual. And then now they're like, oh, maybe I would like to sleep with a woman. Or maybe I would have a relationship, but I'm so worried about what society might say about me.
3: I think we're always limited by worrying about our reputation and it's bullshit. So you've got to either decide if you're going to keep listening to that and being ruled by it or if you're going to live your life for yourself. But
1: also you can do
2: things in secret, people. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I mean, right? Then it's like a shame and it's like, oh, this is like a new part of my identity. I shouldn't be. And I like I have shared, and I don't know if I've shared it on the podcast, <laughs> um, but prior to marrying Lisa, like most of the women I had slept with were quote unquote straight. And so I've always been a bit like, I think this label's bullshit. And that's why I even, you know, I think up until six months before I even met Lisa, I never really called myself a lesbian. And it's not to say that like I go out and sleep with a man, what I'm by? No, not necessarily. Or like I just think that there's such constraints around what Mm -hmm. people are telling us we are. Or like labels are for you to understand me, not for me to understand myself. It's always my biggest thing. Mm -hmm. So
1: I think labels can help if you know absolutely nothing about a person to start to, Um, get an idea but I think they're very unhelpful because people who are like oh I'm this way and then the moment they do something that is in conflict with that then there's this whole existential crisis of like oh I thought I'd never do this or I thought I'd never like this or blah 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 like it doesn't need to be so dramatic you just be I mean for me I've just remained open to the fact that I'm entitled to change my mind about things Yeah. yeah I'm entitled to change how I feel about something amen to that and if I said I'd never do it and then I did it Who cares? cares? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I think um, we
3: label other people because we're uncomfortable with not knowing. And it's just a silly... It's silly. I think there's a lot of beauty from not knowing. But with that said, um, when it comes to exploring now and being secretive about it, unfortunately, I think as a parent, I will always have to worry about what people think. Because I'm not just responsible for myself now. I'm responsible for two little kids.
2: Okay, so on that, you know, you have two sons and... How do you encourage them to truly um, investigate all of the aspects of their identity? Oh, we've
3: had my son, my oldest is only nine, so he's not that old, and my youngest is six. And we have already had multiple discussions about look, when you are excited by another person or you have your crush or whatever word you want to say, I'm like, we don't mind if it's a girl, a boy a like whatever not a binary
2: you know I mean. <laughs> i'm a like dog. you totally went left no no no, no.
3: like that just came out of my mouth but you that know what i mean like whatever open. it is that's exciting it's but you legal. know like a cartoon my yeah. first crush was a cartoon
2: character it was oh, like lisa's was the little mermaid mine oh, oh really? classic. <laughs> yeah i Cute. was like what i never that was not me, but yeah.
3: mine was like lionel or whatever from thundercats anyways um but so a cartoon whatever it is I want them to know. I want them to be excited about it. I want them to embrace it. And we are a very, very accepting household. But, you know, again, like if if he rolls around telling people at school that, I think he might get judged. Yeah. You, know?
2: you know, it's interesting because Lisa and I obviously now we have a lot of friends who are having kids and we're never those people who are like, hey, you better tell them it should be okay to be gay. Not at all. But we often say, hey, when you're having those discussions with them, are you saying whomever you like as opposed to targeting, you know, do you like a girl? Do you like a boy? And then, you know, it's always funny because no matter what friends were around, every time I go, but ultimately you don't want your kid to be gay, do you? And I could see the flicker within them of being like, yeah, like it's, and and they don't say that, but you can see that in that moment, they're also thinking, yeah, it's definitely not what I'm kind of picturing going forward. But I don't know if it's because of a judgment thing.
3: Like you don't want your child to be or just because it's like, fuck, that road sucks because you're going to be persecuted.
2: Because we are not having the conversations mm-hmm. to say that actually it's going to be okay so, or it is okay. So my it's, husband yeah. and I have had that chat where yeah. he's like, I don't care if they are, but it will be
3: harder. It will be. They're going to be made fun of at school. They go to an all boys school right now. How is that going to like be misconstrued? What labels are they going to take? Are they going to get beat up? Like you you told me that, you know, someone that was your, Lisa.
1: But I think that can happen to kids. Just anyway, generally. Yeah. You know, and they, I, don't, I don't.
3: Again,
2: know. though, this comes back to like, I went to an old girl's school. Same. It was, it worked out. It was, I had a great experience there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I, again, I have not gone through that moment of having anything horrible happen to me because yeah. of it. So I am so happy to tell people that I married yeah. to a woman. You know, yeah. I have no fear, no worries. But also, I don't travel to the Middle East because I will not go to a country that I cannot hold Lisa's hand right? Like, Mm. so, so again, that's a choice and that is perhaps where I do feel it, but otherwise walking down the street, I'm like, yeah, she's my wife and I'm very loud and proud about that. Um, but I do know others who, you know, I had a girl when I was growing up who referenced me as her girlfriend solely so she could tell her friends she was gay, even though we weren't dating. Mm. It was just so she felt like she had someone to kind of go, yeah, we're dating. So it made it okay immediately versus hoping and waiting for their approval. And
3: yeah we'll see I have people within my own family that will be like, "Oh my god, your son's gay." Like they would they be uncomfortable with it. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. So, I've got to be mindful of that.
1: I have a trans uncle. I have a cousin who is definitely definitely non-binary. I have Do they know that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're kind of whispering yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> no, they're pretty sure. I mean, he's young, but um so my family's pretty open, and so I think Yeah, I think it's less of a, oh, no, we'd rather our child not be gay. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's a cultural thing
3: too. Yeah. Um, My husband's family is really liberal and they're very accepting, so – but it's really funny because we have a gay cousin and like, you know, Anton's mother is always like, ooh, the gay one's coming. Like she gets really <laughs> excited and wants to label it and wants to talk about it. And yeah. It's really it's really special. It's, it's accepted, yep. but it's like special and they want to label it and talk yeah. about it and it's not normal.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have friends who uh, we were over for dinner and then one of them made a comment and I said, because like a six of us, and I said, I bet when you said Lisa and I were coming, you said our lesbian friends. And he was like, Oh yeah, I did, and I go, why didn't you tell me your straight friends were going to be here? And he was like, oh, it was just to, uh, and he he saw himself go through that cycle of realizing that he had labeled it and had to identify it because it was this like new illicit thing, yeah, as opposed to just like being straights, the anomaly, yeah, etc. So, you know, it happens, whatever. all right let's move away from sex otherwise it could be a whole episode um i really want to talk about the persecution of identity which actually kind of piggybacks on the last bit of what we were speaking about um it may or may not have impacted you but across human existence we see this happening many a times um have either of you had that persecution or discrimination really adversely no no even being in australia like i feel like australia went through this like I mean, really, as I say that, I'm thinking Pauline Hanson. was like, hated the Asians, <laughs> um, now she hates the Muslims. And so I feel like that, like for a while there, like that was what everyone was targeting and that being a problem. I, I
1: haven't experienced it in any big way. I've experienced racism, sure, but nothing like I've ever been attacked mm, yeah. um, or anything like that physically um, or even really badly verbally. So I, I'm fortunate. So it would more be subtle as opposed to like really outward subtle, facing. Yeah,
2: subtle. Yeah.
3: I've had verbal, um, but nothing ever physical. But funny enough, growing up in the 80s, you know, it was a really different place, a far more racist, overtly racist place. Um, And so I remember in kindergarten, my first memory of kindergarten is the class got separated into two groups. And it was the rabbits, the fast kids, the kids who were supposed to be more smart and the ducks and literally the fat, like the slow ones. So the f- rabbits were made up of all white kids and all of the minorities were wow. the ducks. No way. So the, the data about Asians whoa, whoa. being good at math wasn't available
1: yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just not met enough Asians yes. to know.
3: <laughs> so it was really funny. Like I remember just being pigeonholed from a young age in my elementary school as being needing the extra help and all that, so obviously we broke those barriers but you know Jesus. and then you became ducks of
2: the school i love it i was like what a horrible example as a child of realizing that you're different or having that place but it you.
3: wasn't you didn't even realize it back then you're just kind of like oh i want to be a rabbit but you don't understand why and then yeah.
2: it's not till you're older and you look back and you're like holy shit that's well i have a friend who i think is absolutely beautiful and, um, and this is referenced because of her skin color. Uh, and then during the Black Lives Matter movement, she started to realize that for so long she has actually wanted to – she she realized that growing up she her, was always trying to be white. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but why? You know, you're beautiful, your skin, et cetera, et cetera. She's like, well, no, it was just this idea that like everyone around had to be white. So she goes, so I wouldn't go out to the sun. I didn't want to get a tan. And I just thought that – I can't imagine growing up feeling that sense of – Wanting to be something other than who I am.
3: I still get yelled at if I get too tanned. This by is who? a
2: central construct within the Indian community. What do you mean,
3: though? We we have we were colonized by the British, right? Yep. So there is this, there's a, a two-way push. It's A, we were colonized by the British, and then also if you were darker, it means that you were out in the field. In the field. Yeah. Mm. So there's this real sense, and it became a synonym to beauty. The lighter you are, the more beautiful you are. And my mom leaving, growing up in a village, didn't get educated till she came to America. You know, she left with those ideals. So she, for my sister and I, when we would get dark and when we get tan, she's like, what are you doing? I live on the beach now. And my mom's like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Do you care
2: though? You yourself today?
3: You know, I struggle with it. I, I get tanned and I don't care and I change my makeup, but I definitely notice if I'm getting really dark and I tan super easily and I'm like. And I, have, I catch myself. Like, it's mm. something like, I'm like, oh shit, I, I shouldn't care about that. But I do. Like, it's. As opposed to like every white you.
2: girl who wants to get a tan because, you know, it's summer. And like, I like, I, I think I look nicer when with a bit of color. I look healthier. Yeah, of <laughs> course. I But I also can go really dark. Like, when I was in Brazil and I was very, very dark, they all thought I was Portuguese. Mm. But I've never gone, oh, shouldn't it be darker. Mm. I'm just more like, oh, Natalie, skin cancer. I'm like, <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm in I mean. Thai. Yeah. As the first option
1: of in the guessing game of <laughs> where are you from? <laughs> what when you get a tan? <laughs> yeah, the darker I am. I'm I usually at Thai. When I'm in winter, I'm like Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, so before
2: I finish, is there anything else either of you wanted to touch on about identity or anything that has been interesting for you that's popped up?
3: I think um, I might have already said this, I don't know, but when I left. America, it was Barack Obama was still in power and it was like a more politically correct place. The hate hadn't yet been loose, let loose yet. So when I first got here, I was really, really it was really hard for me because Aussies, they just wear, they, they're very casual in the way that they speak. So some of the times that people would ask you questions, they don't like think about how to word it politically correct before they say it or ask you. So a lot of times I was just getting offended, being like, wow, this is such a racist place. Like when I started my brand, I, I had someone be like, oh, don't you think you should have like a blonde, blue-eyed person leading it? Because, you know, Aussies connect with that more. And it, it wasn't meant to be like nasty to me. It was just like, hey, this is helpful advice. Um, <laughs> wow.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and, Thanks for that unsolicited opinion, <laughs> white person. <laughs>
3: and, um, you know, but over time now with Trump being in power and the political cl- correct band-aid being lifted off... I am so appreciating being here and that I guess that folksy feel of being here because it's not really, sometimes it's not malicious. Still needs to, we still need to have the conversation Mm. so people understand how to actually broach the topic of race. But I've realized there is literally hate everywhere. And unless we start having the discussion, we're not going to progress.
1: I would have to say when it comes to identity, have an adventurer mindset, explore things and remember that nobody actually cares what you do as long as you're not hurting other people, obviously killing is a no. Um, People don't really care. They don't really care about the lines on your CV or the jobs that you've held um, because ultimately people are really just interested in their own selves. So just do whatever and once you've done it, accept that you've done it and embrace it Um, and don't stop. Exploring and adventuring, I think, is my biggest thing.
3: Don't be afraid to also mm. change those
1: those labels or drop them. Like, yeah. just
3: keep growing and be who you are, and don't worry
2: about how people perceive
3: you.
1: Labels are limiting; they mm. will impede on your growth. So,
2: this isn't my final question. It's my second last <laughs> final question that I've decided to add in. Uh, <laughs> is there something now or an identity that you yourselves want to explore?
1: I feel like I've. Ex- I'm like, what is left for me to explore? <laughs>
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really do lean into anything you're fearing and then just dive, dive Pretty deep. Pretty much.
1: I'm like, ooh, that scares me. Let's do it. Um, or that intrigues me. Let's do it. Mm, I think I'm exploring my inner 30-year-old male at the moment. Ooh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Relevancy. In... Like what would a 30-year-old ma- hot male do? <laughs>
2: <laughs> to be fair, when Lisa goes into an interview, she's always like, what would an arrogant male do? ask for or be like more because mm. it just gets her out of her like uh, self-consciousness mm. so yeah. it's a good one yeah is there anything <laughs> that is there a 30 year old male you're exploring at the minute or you're good
3: oh no i'm i'm dealing with my own personal midlife crisis of turning 40 with so much look i
2: personally keep meeting 40 year old women and i'm like i can't wait till i turn 40 <laughs> what
1: That's will because i because you're 30 no <laughs> No, know, I just
2: mean in terms of, I guess, the like the changes that I see, mm. and perhaps that's what it is. Like, I find that that there's like this like interesting age between like a 35 year old and then like a 45 year old, and like this gap between the things that I feel like women get to a point and they're like, oh fuck, like why do I still care what everyone is saying about mm. me? I'm actually gonna let it all go. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Isn't
1: it? Jay- I just want to clarify. I'm more in a what would a 30 year old gay man be doing? <laughs> <laughs> just to complete that picture <laughs> uh, the best. Um, okay
2: so i finish with the veil of ignorance uh, thought experiment and so that is that you are you do not know where you're going to be born your socioeconomic status your gender uh the color of your skin or anything like that and you can change anything in the world you can change one thing a variety but it's more how would you view the world how what would how would we reshape the current landscape
3: The government or the landscape?
2: Just anything. You can pick absolutely anything because the idea is that um, we are living within a a system currently, right? But if you're going to be born anywhere without knowing how much money you may have, the color of your skin or Mm -hmm. your advantages or disadvantages, what would be the thing that you would hope to change so we could all better?
3: Is it utopian and like actually the construct of hard work will pay off actually can exist or it's totally
2: it's this is your fantasy your dream (laughs) your desires so
1: sexy (laughs) um for me it would be a more compassionate world compassion for yourself compassion for others because i think that leads to a better understanding and broaden perspectives of life
3: uh i i would i wish it was mandated that everybody has a therapist (laughs)
1: Oh, me too. Not just for our own commercial gains, but...
3: Oh, that's a good one. They're both good ones. Everyone needs insight. And I think that the more you you are visible to your own patterns of behavior the more woke we all will be and the more progress we'll make.
2: Yeah, I feel like learning your triggers is perhaps the greatest or one of the greatest tools you could ever give yourself.
1: And your blind spots. I think the world would be a better place yeah. if everybody had a therapist.
2: Or, or even... Have more compassion and a therapist. Yeah. People, this might actually be a nice place to live.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Imagine if every politician had one. Wouldn't that be amazing? Right. No,
2: I think every politician probably does have one, but like it would be one of those therapists who's like, oh, I guess tell me how you feel. And they just ch- chat And at that's it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> guys thank you so much for joining me thanks
1: for having me. i've us.
2: thoroughly enjoyed this conversation thank you hey everybody thank you so much for listening to this episode of the modern women If this content is delivering value to you, it would be so helpful and appreciated if you head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher and rate and review us as that helps us build this incredible community. And ultimately, that is what this is all about, building this community as big as we can to help as many women as possible. And all of your ratings and reviews truly help with that. And before I go, a shout out to Chunky Love for the original music and to Mr. Darren Lake over at Podpace for helping me produce this show for all of you.